Guys, let's give it up for Pastor Dave. Thank He's you. got a great word for us this morning. Well, let's start with the premise that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, no matter how young or how old, and the goal is that he would want to equip you, prepare you. You know, there's always the call, then the preparation, and then the releasing. And so we've got to get ready now, because not only is Jesus coming again, but the largest harvest of souls the planet's ever seen is about to break out. Now, they say that, you know, I've been saying that for a long time. Yes, but in my generation, I want to be ready when God has it for me. We, we think of revival as one, just one end-time revival, but what if you are the revival to your family? You are the revival to your city. You are the revival to your church. And so the issue is not how long, how old I'm going to last. The issue is going to be, can you and I be uh, uh, that revival, if you will, that, have that relationship with God that literally has the capacity um, uh, not only to win, and win sounds like winning for success. I want to talk to you about prayer because I think prayer has a way of not just asking God to give you what he already wants for you, but one of the powerful thoughts about prayer is that when you pray, God reveals himself to you. And so when you think about that... um, What you believe about God matters. And if you only have a short knowledge or a small knowledge of who God is and how big he is and how wonderful he is and how much of a loving father he is, what his grace is, grace through faith, when you begin to understand those concepts, you begin to realize, I go to prayer not for things, I go to prayer because I want to be in his presence. And God reveals himself to me. Now the next thing that happens is he wants to reveal you to you. Everybody point at somebody. Everybody point at somebody, you. Okay, now again, this doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. But the challenge here is if I'm going to be successful in life, I've got to be able to have what we refer to as emotional intelligence or the ability to understand what's going on and what motivates me, what causes me to do the things I do and why. So regularly, I'll never forget this day. I'm in a Bible study probably 40 years ago. And the Holy Spirit, uh, through the speaker, said, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to shine his light on the inside of you. Now, I was just a brand new Christian. Uh, I was uh, full of my ego. Um, I thought I was all that. And uh, and a bag of chips, thinking I'm amazing. And I was. (laughs) And I thought, I'm going to say this prayer, and this is going to be cool, because God's just going to tell me how proud he is of me how much he loves me, how powerful, wonderful, amazing I am. I remember saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, shine that light, just like that light over there coming at me. Shine that light in my heart. And I don't know how to explain it to you guys, but I think I cried for three days. Because it wasn't about him calling me to be a minister. It wasn't about all the direction that he gave me for my life. At that moment... It was about getting my heart into a place, what I, what I refer to today as real repentance. That it was grace through faith. It wasn't something I did. It was something that God began to do. And the first thing he did, he began to reveal himself to me. But then he began to reveal me to me. And when he showed me myself, I saw the pride. I saw the ego. I saw the selfishness. I, I was raised as a Catholic. And as a Catholic boy, I was taught to do good works. And I realized none of my good works could actually help me in my walk with God can't tell you how many sidewalks I shoveled as a kid to help people in my neighborhood with charging no money. 
and then thinking to myself, I am amazing. I serve, I don't ask for money. But I recognized in that moment that when I asked that Holy Spirit to shine his light in my heart, I, I began to recognize that I was sinful, that I was full of myself. And that if God was going to use me, it wasn't that he wanted me to stay down. He wanted me to start with what I would call revival. Now, most revivalists, if you study through history, you find out that there was a lot of brokenness and repentance and prayer that went up in order to begin God moving in the direction he was going. Now, I can't say I'm part of history and trying to help that. What I'm saying is, in my history, the first place prayer began with me was asking him to reveal me reveal himself, and God began to show me himself. He began to show me me, and that began to break me so that I began, listen, to pray the kind of prayers that could be answered. We ask so many times, and we ask amiss. We pray so many prayers because we're prayers that we want. We want God to fulfill our agenda, our plan. And so over the years, I would take my prayer life, and I'd begin to, I'd read books, right? Andrew Murray, there's a lot of powerful people on prayer, and I just remember, okay, these guys seem so powerful because they would go hours, you know, some people said that um, Finney, other people, they would go into places and they just pray like hours and all day, and it just never really lined up with my life. I've had to work. I, I, I just couldn't be away. Even as a pastor, I've got lots of responsibilities, lots of things to do. And so the Lord was showing me back then that one of the things that he's developed to me over the years, which I think I want to encourage you, is he wants us to be able to understand that prayer is more of a walk with God and that you and I can experience his presence all the time, keeping our hearts in that repentive stage so that when he wants to speak to us, he not only says it, but then I can hear it. Watch this. And then true success in the kingdom is obedience. So I hear it. We... Hearing is a, uh, it doesn't take much energy. You can just hear things, right? There's a sound. But to interpret the sound. And by walking with God, you begin to realize in my life, I'm going to talk to you about seven things that God has done over the last 40 years of my life that changed the course of my life because of one whisper from heaven, or he said something while I was doing something, not necessarily stuck in a room. Now, I've done both. I've gotten alone. I've shut my closet door. But most of the times when God spoke to me, it was when I was actually just living life, doing what God's called me to do. And so this comes back to my mind. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, you and I need to learn how to pray without ceasing. Thank God for moments and events and things, but I'm talking about the day-to-day stuff. And someone asked me one time, well, Pastor Dave, you know, uh, what about... What about these secret sins that guys have and, they, and the things that they look on the screen? And I would say that oftentimes when you've done that, when I've done that, it's because I've lost my consciousness of God. And I'm more focused on what's pleasing my flesh. And so when I think about this, I think about God's men having daily conversations with God rather than events. Let me say that again. God's men, you, having daily conversations with God. I think your church, the church here, just got done coming through a 21 days of prayer and fasting. But too often, what we make it, we make it an event of prayer. I went to and I prayed. It's not the event of prayer. It's what happens in the exchange of your time with God. Is he revealing himself to you? Is he revealing you to you so that, that you, when you do his work, it's not in your power or your might, but by his spirit. 
Born-again believers have 24-hour access, seven days a week, not to cease talking from God. And then when you're walking in that, well, let me give you an example. I, I graduated from the United States Army Chaplain School. And while I was there, uh, they would just teach us. Sometimes you'd go in a barracks, uh, you would go into the cafeteria, uh, you'd go on the battlefield, wherever you went, when you were a chaplain, uh, you would go, and they called it the Ministry of Presence. You didn't have to say anything. If the guys were in trouble and they just knew the chaplain was in the room, they were conscious, so they were aware that somebody was in the room that had maybe a connection to God, even if they weren't believers. And how much more believers need to have a conscious understanding that your Heavenly Father, even with all your father deficits, and we all have them, one of the challenges that I had is I was raised by a father who didn't give me the ingredients I needed, and I didn't get some of those until I was about 18 when our Heavenly Father became my father. And he's not going to be a father one day in the future. He's a father right now. And so you can, you can blame your earthly father for the things that you don't have, but you have a heavenly father. And God's rebuked me many times. Quit saying you didn't have a father. Quit saying that you didn't have a father. I was there with you the whole time. And then I recognized it was my lack of awareness or consciousness that God was there, that I would just go back and live my own life saying I believe in God, but not having that consciousness of God. Listen, real intimacy requires honesty and trust. Being able to communicate with God, God began to help my self-esteem. I think I said it earlier, but 87% of your self-talk is negative. If that's true, you add on our culture, you add on the world, and the only way that God, in some of the ways that blow my mind is that he would speak to me and say things to me and help me get my mind off of my inadequacies or my deficiencies and say something to me. I remember one time feeling so discouraged, so uh, just overwhelmed, I don't know, maybe a little depressed. But I remember God saying to me, where were you born? That was like an easy answer, right? I was born in Royal Oak, Michigan. And the thought came to my mind, you're a Royal Oak. Now that may mean nothing to you, but from a guy that grew up with a lot of insecurities, that, that, was, that meant the world to me. That I could be a royal oak. I remember pastoring for about, I don't know, 10 years at the time, super discouraged. And I remember specifically being in a service, and I, I was just overwhelmed with the pressures and problems and situations going on around me. And I said, Lord, I read in the scriptures that you put a ring on a finger of the prodigal son. You gave him a robe, you gave him shoes. And I said, I'm discouraged. I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I said, would you put a ring on my finger? And I just said it. I didn't tell my wife. didn't tell anybody. It's just one of those thoughts in my head. Lord, would you put a ring on my finger? Because I need to know that you care. You love me, that I'm, I'm yours. And that day I got up to preach, and one of my friends comes up to me and says, Dave, I don't know. Well, this is weird. He says, uh, here's my class ring. It was from Saginaw Valley State University. And on the front of the ring, it had the letter S for Saginaw Valley. And when I looked down the ring, the Lord said, son, when I saw the S on the ring. A couple minutes later, I heard his wife complaining, well, you shouldn't give the pastor your ring. That's for our kids. And I said, you know what? Take the ring. Thank you. God spoke to me through the ring. It was your ring. But thank you for being obedient so that God did it through you. You didn't even know it. But take your ring back. I got it, right? 
So I started drawing up a picture of a ring, and I thought, you know, this would be a ring one day that, that I will get. And this is no joke. Twelve guys that were on my team came in and said, Pastor, we heard you were drawing a picture of a ring. I go, yeah, I was just, you know, just kind of vision, just kind of thinking about what God was saying and speaking to me. They said, no, each one of us here wants to uh, pitch in a hundred bucks. Give me that picture. We're going to take it to a jewelry, a jeweler, and we're going to get that ring made for you. So I get a lot of complaints a lot of time because people, look at that pastor. He wears a gold ring. I didn't buy it for myself. It literally was a ring for my heavenly father. It says leaders for Christ on it because early on in my, in my uh, relationship with God, he spoke and said, I want you to begin a ministry called leaders for Christ. So again, we all have different perceptions of where we're at. Some of you men need to know that you're a royal oak. Some of you men need to know that God has a purpose and a plan, and the local church is to get you equipped. Why do you go to church? We don't go to church to sit in the pew. We go to church to engage and connect and begin to develop. And one of the disciplines of the faith is that you've got to develop a relationship with God where your prayer life is not activated five times like the Muslims or three times during the day like the Jews, but that you are activated in a relationship with God where he can speak to you. Would you, where'd that football go? Can you throw it to me real quick? Okay, so when you think about prayer, I think about, I'm just giving you my experience here. I, I think about Pray without ceasing means for me that as I'm allowing God to use me in ways to serve and to to care and to develop others and, and put others first, that there's these moments where he just throws me a pass. And the pass for me was when he called me and I got born again because I was just walking through life, just being a kid, and all of a sudden, God reveals himself to me. I, he reveals me to me, and I say, yes, rep- I repent, Lord, of my sins. I want to serve you. I know it's not about me. I want to die to me so that you can live through me, and that literally has changed the course of my life since I was 18 years old. All right, throw me another one. So I'm walking down, I'm going down the road. All of a sudden, a couple years later, I've called you to the ministry. Will you serve me? I'm like, I don't know what that means. I was a Catholic, right? You want me to be a priest? I like girls too much. I don't want to be a priest, right? But I caught it. I began to recognize. I began to deal with it. I drive my little Volkswagen bug when I was at college up to the mountains and put some worship music on and, and just worship God and listen for his voice. And God begins to move and give me clarity direction. So now I'm born again, John chapter 3. You and I must be born again. Your spirit comes alive. So what God does, he speaks spirit to spirit. And what I'm trying to do is I'm saying, you don't have to have a relationship with God where you're stuck in a closet most of your life, like a monk. But you can be working at your job as an engineer. You can be a doctor. You can be a plumber. You can be doing the dishes, for goodness sake, and all of a sudden, one whisper from heaven, if you catch it and hear it, can begin to accomplish something on the inside of you. So the idea is, how does a good father become a good father? By fathering. I said, well, I'm not a good father. It's probably because you neglected your kids. As a pastor, how do you become a good pastor? Just because you're good, you're smart, you're intelligent? No way. You learn to be a better pastor by pastoring people. And the more you pastor people, care for people. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the golf course getting ready to swing at a club and I get called from somebody, you got to come now. 
And I had to quit getting mad about it because <laughs> it was getting me mad. Walking down the road, Lord, I want to get married. And the Lord says, Cheryl is going to be your wife. Now, I've never kissed the girl. I've never gone on a date with the girl. I just caught it. It's like I'm walking through life, and he says, I want you to marry Cheryl. I'm like, wow. How am I going to do that? Now, remember, as a young man, I vowed to the Lord that I was not going to kiss a girl until I knew she was the one. Because I knew if I started kissing, I'd go right where I shouldn't go. So I said, nope, no kissing. No touchy-touchy, no kissy face, none of that stuff. We're not doing it. I'm going to wait. And so that pass catches. Cheryl's the one. So I just went up to her out of the blue. She was a gal at church. I said, listen, can I talk with you? She put her hand on her hip. She goes, what are you going to do? Ask me to marry you? My chin hit the ground. I'm like... Who told you that? <laughs> yeah. She goes, oh, no way. She said, I heard about your stories. You won't kiss anybody. She said, if you're serious, kiss me. Thought about it for a moment. I guess if I'm going to ask her to marry me, I guess this means okay. Man, I kissed her. She goes, you are serious. You know, we've been married 38 years this year. One whisper from heaven. Listen, I want to help you guys not make prayer religious. I don't want you to focus on the event of prayer. I don't want you to focus because I do 21 days of prayer. I gotta, if I can be honest with you, straightforward this morning, I've had 21 days of prayer at our church probably for the last 30 years. And some of those 21 days of prayers, I just got to be honest, it was obligation. Just going through the motions because it was on the calendar and we hit it without realizing that the power of prayer is not the asking or the request of a supplication, but the exchange of your spirit formed in God's hands that when you give yourself to him, he forms and makes you. So when you're walking down life, you're walking, and you hear him again. I remember I was in the desert of Saudi Arabia in the Persian Gulf War. And while I'm in the desert, the Lord speaks to me. I want you to plant a church in Bay City, Michigan. I called my wife and said, honey, we're going to start a church in Bay City. She goes, really? We can't go to Florida? <laughs> Grand Rapids, someplace where something's happening? Really, we're going to go to Bay City? I said, Lord, I, the Lord told me Bay City, honey. And so 1991, I get back from the Persian Gulf War. We start a church and... Um, you know, the crazy thing about starting a church when you don't know how to start a church and you're, you never grew up in the church. Anybody see the movie uh, Jesus Revolution yet? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Because it really says, get church out of the way so you can touch people's hearts. And that's why I signed up. It wasn't about church. Now, I've been in the same church now for 33 years as well. But while starting the church, I've continued to keep myself open to catch a pass. You know, I think I've helped... About eight other churches who lost their pastor, I leave for about six to eight months while I'm pastoring my church to go help another church, get them a pastor and get them on, on level ground and, and help turn that church around. Like your pastor here, there's times where he's in his office, he's got problems, he's got issues like everybody else, and the Lord says, I want you to go back to Egypt. Yes, Lord, I'll go. 
When you think about it, the Holy Spirit has a way. I, I'll never forget. Here's, here, yeah, catch this one. So I did war. We did churches. Now watch this one. Tell your wife you love her. Did the Holy Spirit? I think, Lord, you, she knows I love her. I don't have to say that. And I remember saying, honey, I want you to know I love you. She breaks down crying. I'm like, what's the deal? It's just, I told you I loved you. But see, I wasn't saying it just the way I normally would because I want to get you somewhere or get something from you, right? The Holy Spirit spoke through that and did something on the inside of her. Listen, when I simply repeated what the Holy Spirit asked me to say. If you'll begin to wonder, understand in these last days what God's looking for is not religious movements. He's looking for people who will discipline themselves to walk in his presence daily and be able and willing then to catch a pass that may very well change your life. But the good news is it won't just change your life. It'll change everybody in your life. All of a sudden, I'm thinking to myself, I better get to my, my sermon here. Listen, the first thing we need to be aware of is the posture of our heart. How do we, how do we practically do this? You need to know what's going on in your heart. You need to know your heart. You need to know. The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked above all things. So you know your heart is, is craving flesh. Luke 6.45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as I'm walking before the Lord, number one, and, I, and I'm with other men, number one, do you know how you can tell a pervert in your crowd? Listen to what he says. Because perverts are always perverted out of their mouth because it's a symptom of their heart. And so then you listen to it and join into it, or you're God conscious and you say, listen, I'm not holier than thou, but dude, you're setting yourself up for failure. You need to go over to uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and think on what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are true. Think on good things, because that's going to get you in trouble. Now, that's how you become salt. That's how you become light. So my prayer life, some people ask me, because sometimes as pastors, we think, you know, anyone can do our jobs, right? That's what everybody thinks anyway. They tell us, everybody, we can do your job. That's fine. But when I think about pastoring, it wasn't about doing a job. Listen, it was responding to a call and responding to the Lord because real success in the kingdom is obedience. So when the Lord says, speak to your wife, tell your lover, I'm not hesitating anymore because when I do it, I've seen God use that in a powerful way. Go plant a church. Just do what he said. Watch what God will do. He'll build a church. Back in 1983, the Lord again throws another pass at me. He says, I want you to, I want you to start a, a business. I'm like, a business? I don't even know. I don't even... Called Leaders for America. And I want you to get in the public arena and the marketplace, and I want you to be able to teach my principles in the marketplace. And every time God's spoken on some of these issues, here's the thing you need to be aware of. It took 30 years for that to come about, and then 30 years for Leaders for Christ to come about. God spoke it. I continue to walk through life waiting for passes. And all of a sudden, he speaks this business thing. And then in 2020, 
I have an 80-acre ranch out west through Leaders for Christ. We're training men and women, taking them out um, on, on walks like the Emmaus Walk where, where they talk with God and their hearts burn within them. They want to know more about God. So we're doing meetings where we're helping facilitate what I'm teaching you right now. And uh, when we, we do that, 2020, I can't travel. COVID's up. Can't go anywhere. Everybody's home. And all of a sudden, I start talking to a few business people, and they say, listen, we, we need something for our employees. We can't get people back to work. Everyone wants to make the most amount of money, and they want to do the least amount of work. And I said, well, I've got in my file, because I remember what the Lord said, I said, I've got a company that I can come and I'll train your leaders. I'll train uh, all your executive leaders. And, and uh, 2020, I don't know, guys, we're probably in that business, we'll probably make a couple hundred thousand dollars this year. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know about it. All I knew is I heard it. Now I can fund the kingdom. I can fund my retirement. I can do things that I didn't know. And how did that happen? It came, listen, not because I was so special, so smart, so brave, so much courage. I was just out for a walk and I heard something and I responded to it. So what if prayer is not just about setting aside time, but a consciousness where you can begin have you noticed how loud the world is, guys? Everybody's screaming. Everyone's yelling. Everyone's demanding. Everyone's saying this. You and I have to be willing and able to stop, drop, and roll when we even get a hint that it could be the Lord. When I go out to California, I take a busload of young people. We've got some of those young people here today. Uh, took them to California, and I, I usually take this road. It's called the 120, so I called it the 120 shift. And what I do is I take them up to this, uh, the waterfall. The Merced River in, in Yosemite National Park is beautiful. And it's like a raging, uh, roaring uh, river that when you get close to it, you can't even talk. Like if we were talking right now, you would not be able to hear me. I'd have to scream or yell or try to get it through. And I take all the young people there, and we stop at that spot. I call it the 120 shift. We climb on this rock. The water, the river's rushing, roaring. It's just, it's major... Um, and I said, this is what it's going to be like when you get home. Many of us are uncomfortable with silence. And that's the very place that God's trying to get some of you. Because you go from your car in the morning, got your music on, even podcasts, all that stuff's good. You listen to the Bible. I listen to the Bible every morning. I'll say Alexa, Bible app, and uh, the Bible come on. I'll just read through the Bible every year. Just li- Alexa, Bible app. And then we go. But even that doesn't compare. The Holy Spirit, of course, can speak through the scriptures, and he does. I'll catch passes as I'm listening to a verse or a chapter. But I'm saying to you guys, I think we put way too much emphasis on the process and not enough the fact that you need to know God has your best interest. He wants you to be more successful than you do. He wants to bless you. He wants to expand you. He wants to propel you into your future. And the reason why some of us are struggling is we we don't take time, listen, to develop the ability. See, now check this out. Throw me another path. It's not just that he can throw a ball and I can catch it, but the idea is I've got to practice it. I've got to practice his presence. I've got to practice quietness. 
Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a theologian. I don't need all that stuff. I'm not, I was never a theologian. I was never a pastor. I was a young kid with a lot of fear and insecurity with a lot of father deficits. And God began, listen, throw me passes. You're a royal oak. I'm calling you to serve me. How many single people in here right now? Any, any of you want to get married one day? What if I told you God already knows who she is? Then quit trying everybody out. Wait on the Lord, and when, the, when it's time, he'll give you confirmation. He'll show you. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to your friends. He'll speak to your family. He'll speak through others. He'll speak to her. And all of a sudden, you go, really? Is prayer like that? I know some of you staff members right now say, where are you going? Well, I'm going to go play some catch. <laughs> what do you mean? Y'all, you're not going to work. No, no, pastor. I, I'm talking about prayer. I want to catch what God's putting down. Are we making time in our lives for the type of prayer that can revolutionize your family, revolutionize your church, or am I going through the motions and I say I go to prayer, even the 21 days of prayer, I do my duty, but I don't realize that while I'm in prayer, God wants to reveal himself to me. He wants to reveal me to me so that when he says something, I can catch it and then take action on it. Somebody say amen to that. Monitor the, monitor the heart by listening to your heart and mouth. I'm not good at everything. I fail. I make mistakes. But one of the things I think that God has worked with me on is I know when my heart's in a bad spot and I know my heart's in a good spot. I got hurt a few years ago and uh, Pastor Tim was one of the friends in my life that said, Dave, I think you're a little hurt there. Yeah, thanks. You can shut up now. But last week, I, I, I felt like it was gone. Something was there. I couldn't quite explain it to you other than just hurt. But last week, I recognized it was gone. And so, okay, so now what's gone, what does that mean? It just needs to mean I need to make sure that I'm not resisting things that he has for me because I'm willing to deal with that fleshly part of me. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So the first thing I wanted you to recognize is that there's a, a posture to your heart. You need to evaluate your heart. Not anyone else, not your wife, not your kids, not your boss, not everyone else. You, you've got to take the time to know what is going on on the inside of you when you're hurt, when you're unforgiving, when you're angry, when you're mad. Because when you move, say, God, I'm going to give you that stuff, then God says, okay, you, your, your walls are down. And I can catch something that can change the course of my life again. I've learned over the last 40 years of my Christian life, I don't want to miss one whisper. I don't, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm not all that. What I know is all I need from the Lord is one, one clear pass or, or a pass, even if it, throw it wobbly for me. Don't throw me a good pass. I, whatever it is, I just got to figure out, listen, he threw it. I'm going to get it because sometimes I get it easily. 
Other times I, I drop it and I fumble it. And we're talking about prayer, right? So the idea is, what's, what does prayer look like for you? Is it formal? Is it duty? Is it simply a discipline? Or is it going out for a run and catching a pass? The other thing that happens when you don't do that very often, you lack confidence. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. If 87% of my self-talk is negative and my world tells me I'm nobody and I'm nothing and I don't compare, I've only got a few percentage points to get this right. Because I've got to realize that God's word is greater than all the other stuff. So is God's word another part of your life or is it final authority? Is his word your final authority or do you say, well, maybe? This is one of the things you need to understand about God. Jesus said, John chapter one, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word came flesh and dwelt among us. If you want to get closer to Jesus, my friend, you've got to get closer to the word. He is the word. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're doubting that and you think, well, I'm just kind of mixing that with a little bit of a little Buddhism, a little this and that, a little this, what, you're, what you're saying is you're just watering it down. And so what happens is he can, you can go out and, and not have that posture in your heart with the Lord and all of a sudden he throws a pass at you. Whatever. Oh. Now listen, he, if, if I do it well, the idea there is I can be going in a direction and I can just take it in stride. You don't have to be some, some amazing person in your own mind. What you need to be doing is looking at that heart and making sure there's a posture of I'm going to yield to God. It is a proof that for the most part of our life, this is what Andrew Murray said, it's still under the power of the flesh. Prayer is the pulse of life. By it, the doctor can tell what is the condition of the heart. And the sin of prayerlessness is a proof for the ordinary Christian or minister that the life of God is the soul, in the soul, is the deadly sickness and weakness. It's not what we pray or put our time in. I, I put my time in. It's that prayer has an effect on me every time I connect with God. Some ways, I, I think this is overly easy, but it's brokenness, repentance, death to the flesh, and people praying what God wants, not what your selfish mind wants that brings about revival. So I don't need to travel 1,500 miles to go find a revival if I'm really willing to let God fillet my heart. The great strife between the kingdom of heaven and the powers of darkness, we don't talk about this enough, it seems like these days, but there are literally principalities and powers trying to do everything it can to shout you down, to fill your heart, and to keep you unsensitive and numb 
to the passes that God wants to throw at you. See, I, I just, I've been pastoring now uh, 35 years, uh, same church 30 years, married to the same woman for 28 years. Um, all that to be said is I realize after this, I need God more now than I ever did. Knowledge is information, but wisdom is rightly applied knowledge. So we're living in a time that we heard the example last night. David's over on the edge looking at Bathsheba. How many of you know any of us can go do that right now? But if I stay in tune with what's going on in my heart, I'll know before I get to the edge so I don't have to get to the edge because I know something's soured, something's off, something's not working, and I, I'm going to miss a pass. And because I know what God can do with a right pass, I don't want to miss one pass that he's got to throw at us. The enemy uses all of his power to lead the Christian above all the, the ministers and the Christians. Listen, who neglect prayer. So some of you haven't even worked out the disciplines. Some of you might have this a little bit more than the disciplines of just making yourself consistently available to God. But what I've learned over the years is I want to be available to God all the time when I'm riding my motorcycle, when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm going for a walk and invite that presence the ministry of presence, like the chaplain in the cafeteria, where I just automatically, what's that? And when the kids were in California next to the waterfall, I would tell them this, listen, when things get loud and noisy and you've, because have you ever heard this? I heard one lady say, well, I just felt the Lord told me to do this, but I don't want to do that. Have you ever heard that? People just nonchalantly saying something, they don't have a clue what they're even saying. What do you mean? You believe God wants you to do this. Do you know how many men told me that said they gave me their word, God told me, and then they did the opposite of what they told me? One guy came up, he says, Pastor Dave, the Lord just told me I'm going to give you 40 acres of property. I tell the team, we come down, we have a meeting. Two weeks later, he says, uh, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I said, two weeks ago, you told me God told you to do it. That's disappointing when people tell you what they think God says and then they don't do it. Where other men, when they give their word, they'll do it at their own expense because God is a keeper of his word. Finally, let's, do, let's go here. I'm almost done. We've got to take our prayer lives, guys, and go higher. We've got to take it to the next level. God wants you at a men's conference. I'm so thankful you came, but the next goal is to get you back to your church and get you being a praying man who's not just fulfilling a formula, but people who are willing to listen to God and do what God says. Anybody watch the movie Chosen? See some of that Chosen stuff? What I love about it was the realness of it. And I remember a story of Matthew, and he goes back to his dad and apologizes, and his dad apologizes to him, and you can see the power of forgiveness happen. You know forgiveness isn't for just for church people? 
When you love and forgive people in a godly way, it'll melt hearts, it'll change lives, it'll transform somebody. And if every one of our people took the principles that we're teaching week after week and just put them into practice, you'd see revival in houses all over Highland, all over Bay City, all over Flint, all over Owasso. But we compartmentalize it. We're not raising up more pastors like me. We're trying to say, listen, I need to be more like you, an everyday man who will listen to God and do what God says. That's called prayer. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Beware in your prayers above anything else of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do, thinking that you have God figured out. God is so much bigger. He, he, he's just so... When I think I know something clearly, he can whisper something to me and say, that's, that's so small. Here's one last question for you. Do you ever convince your family, let's say your wife, do you ever convince your wife that you were right and she was wrong? And then a little time goes by and you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. She was right again. Am I the only one? If that's true for us humans, how much more is it that we limit God because we think we know it? And what God's really calling us to do, guys, is to go to the next place. And, and what he's looking for is for you and I to be able to catch a pass, keep doing what we're doing, keep moving, listen to it, and then when we listen to it, be tenacious with it. And you can be wrong, and people say they don't think you're, that's right, and you're this, and you're that. I'll close with this story. I, I remember going into a prayer room. No, excuse me, it wasn't a prayer room. They asked me to come up to the hospital. Bunch of faith people in the hospital, and they're all in there crying, screaming. They're asking for this person to come back to life. He's really sick. It looks like he could be gone any time. So I come up, and the Lord speaks to me. This person is going to die. Of course, they're trying to keep me out because I'm the man of doubting. I said, I, I just can't pray. I can't jump. I can't dance. I can't do the stuff you guys are doing. I, 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 just, I think I, I believe the Lord has shown me what's going to happen here. And they're yelling at me, mad at me, upset with me. But the difference was I wasn't trying to be there for prayer. I was trying to listen to God. See the difference? After they scolded me and yelled at me and told me that I was a doubter and this and the other thing, sure enough, he passes away. Another time I'm with A.L. Gill in Cuba. And uh, people don't like to tell these stories because it doesn't get a much public speaking gigs, but here's, I go to Cuba with A.L. Gill, and the first thing we do, we land on the plane, and uh, there's probably 150, 200 people surrounded a house, someone died, and now he's here and I'm there from the United States, and they want us to come and raise him from the dead. Nothing like a little uh, pressure. So the first thing you do, at least that what I've learned, is I don't go in there pretending I'm the man of God that comes and brings solutions to the problems. God, what are you saying? And so they say, well, you go in there and pray. And I'm like, okay. Now, if we pray, we're going to look bad if he doesn't rise up, right? <laughs> you ever been there? Someone's wants you to pray some miracle over it and it doesn't happen. You go, I guess I look like a... 
We prayed, and the Lord did not say that he was going to raise him up. And I didn't care what people thought of me. Because it wasn't about what I was trying to conjure up. It was what, what was the Lord saying? What does the Lord's will want? What, 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 what did God want? And I would submit to that. And I don't care what people think. If I listen to what God says, do what God tells me to do, realizing that some of the great breakthroughs that you're going to have in your life is when you listen and obey, that you're going to get your breakthrough with your marriage. You're going to get your breakthrough in your finances. Oh, yes, you can go listen to Dave Ramsey and learn all his principles. I get it. I, I, I've done it. But that's no substitute for listening and doing what God says. Because sometimes in my financial life over the years, God tells me to give something away that I didn't want to give away. Lord, I need a new car. Can you help me have the money to have a new car? Well, give yours away. No, I'm going to use that for a down payment. I'm going to get some money for that car. And then you listen to God, do what God says. And even if it's not that specific time, down the road, God reveals to you, yeah, I let that go because I'm going to do something better for you. Does this make sense to anybody? Yeah. I, want you to, I want you to just take a look at all the, the stained glass windows and the high church crosses and the time that you've got to be away and you've got to be on your knees for 14 hours. And, and, and I want you to see that God wants to walk with you intimately day by day and you exchanging uh, your old ways and his, uh, you're exchanging your ashes for his beauty. And all of a sudden, you catch it, and you do it, and people go, well, how are you so successful? How did you make this business go? How did you make this church go? I have no clue. What I did, I caught a pass on my way to the office. And if anyone gets credit for it, it's him, because it wasn't even my idea. Pastor Dave, you, you built a great church in the last 30... No, I was in the desert of Saudi Arabia and God said, plant a church. It was his idea. It's his church. If there's anything good that's come from it, he gets the glory for it. I just caught the pass. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Ooh, six minutes over. Uh, the trap door didn't happen, so I was waiting for the trap door. All right, let's close it in prayer. Uh, this morning, let me ask you two things real quickly. Number one, how many people would say to me, Pastor... Uh, I have a, a, just a di little different perspective that I had coming into this session about prayer. Anybody? Okay, it, it, I just broke it down in its simplest form. How many people this morning, this afternoon, would say, I am going to put this into practice, and I'm going to spend more time on understanding God's presence than the formula for prayer? Father, you see our hearts? You see our hands this morning? We're asking right now, in the mighty name of Jesus for revival for our homes, for our city, for our church, for our state, for the nation. We're believing, Lord, that all over America, people are going to wake, be wakened up, that you're real, that you're alive, that you're coming again, and that we can hear you and obey you and watch you work in our lives. We pray, Lord, for a fresh move in this, these men's lives, and that when they go back to their churches and back to their families and back to their kids and back to their wife, they're gonna, the family's going to say there's something different about you. You're more aware of God's presence. You're more sensitive than ever before to his presence. You'll shut the TV off when you feel that prompting. You'll go for a prayer walk when you feel the prompting. You'll read the word when the Holy Spirit prompts you to read the word, and you'll quit playing around and ignoring it. And when that happens, revival begins to happen. Thank you, Father, for revival in us way before it gets to our family or before our church. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, man.